I'm sitting here in my own house, minding my own business. Where you been? I don't think you can. I've been having a hell of a time. When I'm bad. End of question and answer period. Hello, this is High Camp, the podcast where I try to watch all 406 movies from an out-of-print gay film guide before I die. I'm your host, Brian Rucker, and I'm back from a little bit of a winter hiatus. Uh, it's 2020. I'm refreshed and I'm excited to be joined by Mr. Mark David Christensen today. Ooh, you put a Mr. on yeah, there. Well, I like to be formal. <laughs> I love it. I feel so welcomed. Uh, oh, good. I'm glad. I gave you, I gave you coffee. <laughs> you I gave did. you a microphone. I yes. mean, a lap of luxury. Very much. I uh, feel very, it feels real koosh. Good, Is good, that good. a word? No, I don't think so, but uh, I know what you mean. <laughs> very cute, uh, very This luxe, is going to be in a podcast rich. where a lot of people are going to be like, what does he mean? Uh, no, it's perfect. Uh, you'll fit right in with everyone else that does this podcast. Uh, how's your new year going so far? Good, other than I'm battling like sickness. Like I was yeah. sick. I was. I had a cold during Christmas, thought I got over it. Then that like got my girlfriend sick. Then I got sick and now the world tandem sick. That is horrible. And it's like, why do I have to start the new year with a cold? Both of you sick at the same time, and you can't, like, send your dog out for soup. No. Doc's so, lazy. Do you do, like, a Postmate or just we bite just, the bullet? Like, and... Last night, we just had to go together. We yeah, just had yeah. to go to Albertsons together, just take a walk with the dog. Um, and you're both just, like, miserable. Oh, my God. What's your, like, sick grocery list if you go to Albertsons? She wanted to do more treats last night just to, like... Get, I'm I'm a chicken noodle soup me person. Too. I constantly am just like, that will make me feel good. We did do some comfort food for lunch, which was nice. We went to uh, do you know Green Leaves on Hillhurst? No, it's like a it's a vegan restaurant. Oh, oh yeah yeah yeah. Little, okay yeah, and about. we we went there and we just ended up having a a very comfort food like chick like their chicken nugget like the complete which is like tofu chicken. Yeah, I love that shit and. Egg rolls and then curry, and it felt so nice. Well, that sounds good. But it didn't cure her. Like, I feel like we're over the hump, but we're not, like, done. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, totally. Because, you, you, I mean, you'll be contagious for the first few days, and then you'll start to, like, this is gross, but, like, you'll start to feel <laughs> it coming out your nose, and then you realize you're over the hump, but you're still, I mean, your energy levels are down. Oh, I hate That's my biggest thing is not being able to, like, focus. Do anything. Or, yeah. like, have this, like... Like, I have so much in the new year that I'm, like, I get stressed in the new year because I feel like I need to achieve a lot oh, fast. Oh, totally. And, like, I even, to the point where somebody, like, Beth, my girlfriend, has to remind me, like, it's only seven days in. Stop. Yeah. And it's such a, I mean, it's, the calendar is a facade. It really like, is. Uh, but, no, I, I mean, and everyone, you know, tells you to do, like, New Year's resolutions and everyone goes to the gym or all this stuff. And yeah. it's, like... It starts, it makes you start off the year being completely stressed out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, le- I need to remind myself of that too. I'm very bad on it, yeah. Because um, I'm like, oh, I have these goals. Why aren't they done yet? Oh my God, <laughs> I know. All you can do is keep plugging along every day, do a little bit. And very don't true. And beat yourself up about it. You are 100% right. Yep. 
I should just have oh, you sure. send that that, that uh, clip to me, yeah. and I'll just play it for myself every morning on my off my phone. Uh, I try. I'm trying to be <laughs> a little more mentally balanced in the new year. I already like. I mean, I didn't really have a New Year's resolution. My New Year's resolution is always just like don't eat late at night. Right. Ugh, <laughs> and I already broke wrong. it last night because I got home from work at late. And I have this like really good little butter dish so I can leave, you know, butter, like French cultured butter Love on the it. counter. But then, of course, I get home at midnight and I'm like, oh, I'm going to make some toast with butter and marmalade. And it was so good. But then I'm like, I'm just going to go to bed after just eating toast and butter. I don't think that's that bad, though. I'm going to give you a break. Well, I also had a few slices of cheese <laughs> oh, and okay. crackers Man. and like a handful of dill pickle <laughs> potato chips. You should have left that. <laughs> and then just like ran into the bedroom and tried to go to sleep. Now I'm not giving anymore. to you. I'm taking my no. break back. I, I just, it's <laughs> radical honesty. Um, um, I do that too, or I'll be at work. We work at the same place. Yeah. Um, it's a struggling, financially struggling comedy theater. Maybe you've yes, heard of it. Maybe. <laughs> uh, but I will, I'll tend to like try to eat really well and then I'll get like an appetite at the very end, and I'll just eat something crappy around me. I know. And I'm very bad at that. Because we have sort of, I mean, sort of the same schedule at night. uh, And so I'll try to eat, like, right when I get there or before. And then if I do that, if I eat, like, at 6.30 or whatever, I'm going to be hungry at 11.30. If you're up and going, you're not like the rest of normal society who's like, oh, it's 10, I'm actually getting either in bed or getting ready for bed. (laughs) No. That's not me. Well, so, yeah, I need small resolutions. It's just... Don't eat after 8 p.m. That's not that hard to do. Like most like normal people or not normal people. A lot of people do that. And I can do that too. Go for it. I skipped breakfast today as a punishment. Don't punish yourself. No, I know. No, (laughs) I'm not hungry. I'm just like eating when I'm hungry, uh, grazing, um, not eating to fill the time, not emotionally eating. So I skipped breakfast today. All right. Do you feel good? Black coffee. I do feel good. I'm going to be hungry after this podcast. But so um, let's get going. I mean... The last yeah. episode, which was, God, three or four weeks ago now, uh, me and guest Brian Reinstein talked about potential Oscar nominees for Best Picture. So now uh, Dave and I we're gonna are going to go through the acting categories very quickly. I know this is not an Oscar podcast. Um, but, but you know what? The Oscars year, are camp, aren't they? They are camp. <laughs> and like in the dead of winter, the only thing getting me through the like most depressing part of the year is award season. It's fun. It really, and I'm I'm not a football person. I'm not a Super Bowl person. I usually like am sort of a politics person, but this primary, it's like too stressful to even like uh, watch it as entertainment. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, I used to be really invested in it. I'm like I still I try to like uh, distance myself from it because I get real riled up. Yeah. About it, but I used to back when I lived in Utah. Because I was so into it, I'd have my friend had a movie theater in his house, so I would we would I we would Fancy. go. Yeah, he was a rich guy. <laughs> they came from a little richer than I'm at least, but it was mainly. When I say theater, it was like a room with a projector. So to me, hey, a theater, yeah. I was like that. This is crazy, but I would host every year. I did it two or three years before moving to L.A. Oh, you're talking about the Oscars. Oh yeah, I sorry. thought you were talking about like <laughs> primary debates. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was so, like, this is so sorry, I no. moved to the Oscars because yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it. That makes more sense. But yeah, like they, um, I would host, and then pe- I'd have them fill out, and whoever won, I'd have prizes for them. Oh, that's so cool. I I always thought about doing it back out here again, something like that. 
But I feel like because when you get in the industry and you're desperate to like get in, you sort of like, if I don't know why I have felt, I became jaded the last 10 years. I know what you mean. I mean, I think like the Oscars are so far away from like, where, so I, I, I'm not even like, oh, if like only I do this one thing or like get this one thing done, I'll be at the Oscars next year. Like that's crazy. Yeah, exactly. So I, I am not, I don't, I don't feel that, but like, like certain smaller things, like when I see, Oh God, we don't need to go into my own psychology, <laughs> but like, um, you know, like the WGA awards where like, I know a lot of people that are like yeah. nominated and, and you, you do like, that is like a little jealousy. Yeah, totally. But, yeah. I think jealousy is normal. It's just about how you handle it. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, WGA is fun little fact for you. WGA is for like three years, Patton Oswalt was hosting and I, for those th- three or four years, I was his stand in for the tech. Really? So I would go in on that Sunday and I would just walk through everything he would do. But the but the best part about it, which I found so funny, is uh, he, as soon as he arrived, it was like I was did not exist anymore. Oh, like yeah. they would forget to check me out. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you disappear. It was so weird. I was like, all right. Like, I mean, I could have probably hung around, but a lot of times I was like, I don't want to sit around for this award show. I'm just yeah. going to go home. Had you worked as his stand-in for other things or no. just for that? I just got called in randomly. I think it's just because I'm, we have the same so, height. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and then one time I tweeted at him. This is my one proud tweet of like tweeting saying like, I wonder if he farted as much as me during the, and he like pretty much just replied like, pretty sure. And I was like, I could die. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I always think like uh, people that work as stand-ins for uh, like a movie star for their whole career. Like I guess Jennifer Lopez's stand-in has been working with her for like twenty-five yeah, years. I bet that's a great they, gig. Yeah, and they you must get very like close to them because you're I mean physically working with them constantly. Yeah, I mean I guess it's a type of assistant in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so we got. <coughs> If you guys don't know about the Oscars, there's four acting categories. There's Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Supporting Actress. So I'm going to go to a little website called goldderby.com. And let's start with, oh, I guess they start with Best Actress. Very woke of them. <laughs> um, isn't it now Best Female Actor? Don't no, it's just called American? Best Actress. Oh, do they still? I, I thought, I prefer saying actor. Is that weird? I don't know. I, I feel like, I don't know what I, what you're supposed to say. I think saying Best Female Actor sounds crazy. Does it? To me. I don't, I, don't, I just say actor, and they just happen to be female. Yeah. I mean, or a woman. I mean, I, we're I don't not know the people to say. Like, if you're a, an actress or a female actor, you should be able to choose what you, what you call yourself. I think for, like, in an awards capacity, I mean, maybe there's some people that, that say female, but that just seems... I thought they did that for a while, and I May, they might have, or uh, yeah, I might be wrong. Who knows? I mean, there's people that want there to be no gender in yeah, acting exactly. awards, which would be interesting. They would have to double the nominees because then, because yeah. you don't want to like leave people out, and then it would become well, who knows what would happen? But um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I uh, mean, there are years where you're like, man, that person was better, or like the role was better. Yeah, or like the category is tougher in one gen. Yes. Like I feel like the last few years. Best actress has been much more competitive, and best actor has been lighter. And then this year's the reverse. Best actor is like more. There's like more competitive. And yeah, best I think actress you're right. is lighter. I know. All right, so actress, we got up top: Renee Zellweger for Judy, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Aquafina for The Farewell, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Lupita Nyong'o for Us, 
And then a bunch of people who I think honestly have no chance. I think those seven are what we I have. think it's so silly. Can I just be honest? Oh, you're going to be one of these people that think it's... Wait, wait. Why no, do you no, no. I think the fact... No, a very specific thing. I don't oh, think yeah. this is silly in the sense <laughs> of this category. I like honors as much as I like... My jealousy is the only reason I'm cynical about all this sure. stuff. Um, I think it's just silly that Emma Thomas is actually being considered for late night. That, that's a, a placeholder. Yeah. Uh, that movie was had potential, but really... It was, yeah, it was pretty mediocre. I would say, I mean, Elizabeth Moss, for her smell, should be in the mix because that she's that was an amazing performance. I um, heard it is. In a movie that, I guess, not very many people saw. And I do like a performance from, like, a smaller movie making its way yeah. among, like, the, the Hollywood fair. Which know? sometimes happens. And the other one that I think has gotten some, like, critical um, consideration is Mary Kay Place and Diane. Which is another really small movie with a great performance, uh, but I don't think that obviously she has any um, right. potential. Do you? So, do you think these top five: Renee, Charlize, Scarlett, Saoirse, and Aquafina, or do you think Cynthia Erivo or Lupita Nyong'o or anyone else could could break in there? Okay, should I give my honest? Just can I go through them and just yeah, of say? Course. So, Renee, I haven't seen that movie yet. I really badly want to see it. I just haven't. I have the screener. I just it's one where I don't want to watch it in increments. Oh, I want to sure. sit and watch. Yeah. Cause since but I'll tell you like since the trailer, I'm a big Renee fan. I am too now. I think she has gotten too much shit and people don't I just don't like the disrespect towards her. I liked her in this movie, uh there was a Western and I can't Al- Appalooza. And I okay. was like, She's so great. Why are we shitting on her so much? But what I've seen from the trailer and clips, I think she looks wonderful. Is she's she? great you've in it. it. Yeah, right? the, the movie is like, there's really good parts and there's not so good parts. Um, but she's wonderful and I would definitely not be angry if she won. Cool. Um, Charlize, I actually think she's my favorite part of that movie, Bombshell. I yeah. think her performance is unreal. She's She is a truly like transformative performance yes. in sort of an uncanny way. Uh, her the way she does her voice and the way the the prosthetics team makes her look exactly like Ma- Megan Kelly. The movie I think is like pretty bad. I do. Yeah. I didn't like the movie. It it was weird that the movie started off being uh, let me talk to the camera and then they just dropped became a generic movie. That yeah. was weird. It was There's strange. so much to say about that, but I do think that she deserves to be up there. Um, For sure. What's the other movie that she did this year? Oh, uh, Longshot. Longshot, which was a, I thought it was a great romantic comedy. <laughs> I was very I really surprised that I did not dislike it. Yeah, I, lo- <laughs> I loved that. I thought it was a lot better than it, Late Night or any of the other sort of, uh, even Booksmart. Like, I would Longshot agree. was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so then we have Scarlett Johansson. I thought she was good. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, if it's my favorite of hers, but I wouldn't. I I loved her in it honestly. Great. Like. It is, it's sort of that classic old school, just actory drama performance. Yeah. Um, she has an unflattering haircut. Um, she <laughs> cries a lot. Uh, yeah, I thought she's really good. And, you yeah. know, she has some personal controversies <laughs> surrounding everything she says. She really does. It's um, really but she's a wonderful actress. But I think she deserves to be in the nominees. Absolutely. And um, then we have Saoirse Ronan, Little Women. So I do think she's great. I, I just think that there's ones below her right now on this list that I think would, for me, bump her out of this. I agree with you. I Okay, I'm going to say something on this podcast. I don't know that I understand the whole Saoirse Ronan thing. Like, I like her. I think she's good. But, like, as far as, oh, the greatest actor of her generation, yeah. probably getting four uh, Oscar nominations before she's 25. I mean, she's good. But I don't I, I, I don't get, like, that 
that rush from a performance of hers like I do with other actresses. I don't know. I think I'm the same way. I think I really respect her work. I think I loved, I think I really f- like, she won me over with the movie Brooklyn. She's wonderful in that. She's always yeah. great. She's yeah. always great. I just think there's other performances below her. Yeah, yeah. Specifically, I'm going to go down sure. two more. I think Lapita should be. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm not a huge Us fan as a movie. It has some things that just, are that feeling complete, but that performance is like the performance of like the most unique performance of the year. I, so how do you not put that in that five? It seems five? obvious to me. Like this movie, I thought it was really good. It made a ton of money. She's like a movie star. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just, it came out way too early for Oscar consideration. And I think that's hurting yeah, it, but they are um, really pushing it. I hope so. I hope she gets in. Cause um, the other ones, uh, Aquafina and late night. I, again, I think she's very good. Um, and Cynthia Revo and Harriet, another, you know, movie that was fine, and she's very good in it. But those those ones don't excite me as much as, as yeah. Aqu- I'm gonna I'm very controversial on Aquafina because for me, she was fine in that movie. Like I thought it was a good beginning to see where she could go. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Like it's like oh, that's a good entrance piece. I don't really agree with it being the thing that was like now she gets an award for this or like can do anything. She, I don't know. If yeah, that, yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. not that I don't want to like be disparaging towards her. I just think it was, you had one scene in that that was like dramatic that really was like, cool, I bet that. I think it was because it was so different from what she's done before. Sure. So people were like, oh, and it was, you know, it was a very good movie. Uh, so yeah. I think, and she's like a young sort of up and coming person. Um, the other one, and I don't think she'll have any chance, <laughs> is Alfre Woodard and Clemency. Which the trailer I, looks really I good. I just saw, it is one of the most difficult movies I've ever sat through in my life. Yeah. It's so intense. It's so unflinching about the horrors of our prison <coughs> system and the death penalty in particular. And she plays, I mean, it's a very complicated, she's not really sympathetic because she's like the warden who is sort of in charge of of, of executing these men. Um, and she just gives an astonishing performance. And uh, That's yeah, great to hear because the trailer looked, when I finally got to see a trailer on the big screen, I was oh like, boy, Damn. yeah, it's rough. Um, all right. Let any other people? That's it. I mean, again, we'll see what happens on the 13th. Yeah. All right. Best actor. Here we go. Joaquin Phoenix, Joker, Adam Driver, Marriage Story, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Antonio Banderas, Pain and Glory, Taron Egerton, Rocket Man. Then right under them, we got Robert De Niro in The Irishman, Eddie Murphy, Dolomite is My Name, Jonathan Price in The Two Popes, Christian Bale in Ford versus Fiari, Fiari. And Mr. Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. I think all 10 of them could, like, any of these 10, I wouldn't be, like, shocked if they got a nomination. Yeah, I think I'm with you, and a lot of it I haven't seen. Okay. But I'll, I'll tell you my dream team. Yeah. My dream team. I do think, as much as I don't like the Joker, I think Joaquin is always good, so give him the nom, and he'll this probably win. This is a pro-Joker podcast. I know it is. I can't even know you love Joker. <laughs> but now I got it. Uh, but again, I can't deny his great work. I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Joaquin fan. Um, even the people that are like, he, he's insane. Like, people have said he's undirectable. And it's like, it's clearly... No, he's a great actor. He's been through... I'm such a Joaquin stan. He's been through so much in his life. He was 18 years old when he found his brother ODing in the middle of Sunset Boulevard. And he, yeah. it fucked him up. And he's he's great, and I yeah. I will not take any disparagement of that. Yeah, one. I think he's wonderful as well. And you know, and I think as I I think too many people associate 
actors with their roles. But when I saw actually him at the Golden Globes, just in the clips, I didn't watch the whole thing. I was like, he's a healthy guy. Shut up, yeah. people. <laughs> like, he's a vegan. He's talking about the environment. He is, might be a little eccentric, but, you know, all great artists are. Yeah, and most actors especially. Yeah. Adam um, Driver, great. Amazing. Again, like, I'm always like, I like Adam Driver. I've never loved, loved, loved a performance of him so much as I did in Marriage Story. I thought this was, like, a new level for him. Yeah, I would agree. And I think he really won me over when he sings the song from Company. Oh, yeah. That's when I was like, oh, he's something else. Like, he's showing a side of, he, he's showing that he has more to them than just what we've yeah. seen, I guess. But I've liked, I've liked him since Star Wars, and I didn't watch Girls, but I Oh, yeah. Him. I mean, that was the first time I saw him was Girls, and he's great. I love that he is... He has like a weird, awkward, not, not his body is not awkward, but the way he moves in his, in his body is not what you would think of as like the way an actor would move, but he's so um, confident in his own body, even though he moves differently. And I, I love that so much. And I wish more actors would, um, would, would move like, like real people who are, who are awkward. Yeah. It makes him relatable. Uh, mm. More than other movie stars, yeah. per se. Uh, Leo's great. Um, good, maybe. Yeah. yeah, maybe a career best performance from him too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's been knocking it out of the park yeah, the yeah. last whatever years. Um, Antonio Banderas, I would, I hope to God that gets a, a nod because I, I think so that performance is outstanding. It's wonderful. It's it's so quiet. I'm I'm a little worried uh, because it is such a quiet performance and it's a movie in a different language. But uh, but I oh, think there's enough love for him to, to yeah. get him in. I, I just hope he gets at least the nomination because I do think that with what how we know, or at least based on historically Academy Awards, it will get buried, but I hope mm-hmm. at least gets the nod. Yeah, I think because it's Almodovar, people will give it a little bit more consideration than if it was just like a random you know Spanish movie. I haven't seen Rocket Man, but people say he's great. It's fun. It's a fun movie. He's very good in it. I honestly don't think he should be in consideration for best actor, but he's good. But people, I mean, yeah. academies are suckers for people being real people. Yeah, and it's, I mean, fucking Rami Malek won last year for a very similar performance. Taron Edgerton actually but isn't sings. The, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Isn't the difference that Rami just lip synced? Yeah, uh, and I think if if Rami didn't win last year, this would be like more exciting almost because it's something it would be different. But I think because... Um, Bohemian Rhapsody won last year that he's it's it's sort of like old news even uh, though I liked Rocket Man a lot better than Bohemian Rhapsody but whatever I, isn't he getting more snubbed Robert De Niro yeah well the Golden Globes hate him because he like made fun of the um, HFPA in like a speech he gave a long time ago <laughs> uh, good for him and I think it is like this is another <laughs> performance that is is very good but it's it's super quiet and like yeah. the the arc of his character is like so internal that i don't know that it's like flashy enough but For it's sure. robert de niro so it, it you know he could definitely get in i haven't seen dolomite yet but i've heard it's wonderful it's great he's great uh i would not be sad if he got nomination i hope he does um the, it's a it's a comedy it's sort of light so it might be tough but it's eddie murphy and he um this might be off subject, mm. but he really won me back over. Not back. I've never. He's never lost to me, but he won me over a lo- again when I watched randomly his coffee and uh, comedians with oh. coffee oh, with cool. Jerry Seinfeld because yeah. he seems very actually self aware of like how he's changed and how his comedy can't be what it used to be, unlike a lot of and I say white men that like Jerry and like people yeah. like Todd Phillips who are like. Well, we can't say certain things, you know what I mean, anymore. And they're very like aggro about it. Yeah. 
Eddie Murphy's just like flat out just says like I look back at my old sets. There's a part where he's like I look at my back old sets and there's stuff I just like that doesn't it, I doesn't work anymore. Right, that's true. And he's that, like, but I go back and I find the one where I'm talking about an ice cream man and playing a kid and I love that and it, it will live on forever. And it's him just subtly without having to say it, going like I know, I'm aware that there's comedy that I did that is not acceptable. Yeah, and it's amazing how few uh, male comedians of his generation are able to be as reflective as that. Yeah. Uh, that's true. That is, uh, now I even love and respect him even more because he is a uh, true gentleman and he's, yeah, like we all, I mean, he said some pretty vile stuff, but like he was, what, like 19 years old yeah. when his first stand and it was like 1981. I just like, people that get so worked up about this shit, it's like, get a life. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, two Popes, big Two Popes fan. I haven't seen it. I mean, it's... Is it's, it great? No. It's, it's <laughs> the Two Popes. It's, it's mean, Two Popes talking at each other. They're both very good actors. I just have... I could not care less about this movie. Yeah, I was very surprised that even Fernando, the director, was on the uh, the Hollywood Reporter um, Director's Roundtable. Oh. I like him because he'd made City of God, which is a phenomenal movie. But I just haven't really kept up with his stuff because oh, because even Constant Gardner was sort of dull to me. It was like Yay. I never even saw Constant Gardner. They got Rachel Weiser Oscar. Yeah, that's yeah. the big thing about it. But um, yeah, this is very just sort of bland. It reminds me of Green Book. It's two guys who are different personalities who bond over eating pizza. <laughs> okay, um, that's basically <laughs> what it is. Uh, Christian uh, Bale is to me is like. Get out of here. It's a great performance because it's Christian Bale. Totally. Because Christian Bale cannot not deliver a bad performance. No. Like he's an actor that's never going to phone it in. But give me a break. And he was so, he was, <laughs> he was really fun in this. He was, for sure. he seemed like, because sometimes he can be a little like too serious for me. Yes. Um, and this, he looked like he was having fun. Ford vs. Sorry is a movie I had fun watching it, have not thought about it once since I saw it. Same here. Um, it would be very silly if he got a nomination for this. Yeah, it's like you just feel like it's that slot is getting wasted on Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now we come to Mr. Adam Sandler. I think gems. he should be up. Oh, fucking I win think the whole should, thing. Yeah, I yeah. would love if he won. Yeah. If that is it, because I just think people aren't, I think the acting world is not giving him the credit he deserves with the, with when he actually decides to do. No, because actors are so stupid. I, Very. I was at um, a commercial audition the other day and I was just overhearing people, the actors like talk about what movies they saw and people were like, oh, did you see Uncut Gems? I'm like, oh yeah, Adam Sandler was great, but the movie didn't really make sense. There wasn't like a beginning, middle and end. Uh, and I was like, fucking die. I Stupid feel, actors. I, I get really mad because I think everybody's looking for the same structure the whole time. Yeah. And then I'm like, but Uncut's is such a... You could probably find structure in there, but it's not. It's so, it doesn't it's care. not hard. It's like literally a beginning, middle, and end. Like yeah. he places the bet, and then things get worse, and then yeah. spoiler alert, he dies at the end. Like that is yeah, not hard to follow. It's not. It's like, uh, but like somebody told me the other night, and I talked to them. I just had like a good conversation because they're like, I didn't really like it because it didn't. It, I wanted more of a hero's story, and I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, I don't. When like I was like, I can't argue with you that that's what you wanted. You didn't get, yeah, that's but true. that's what softy brothers are not interested in a hero story. No, like, why should not. they be? Like <laughs> movies should. I mean, there are there's a place for like as we'll you know eventually be talking about the adventures of Captain Marvel. Yeah. There's place for a hero's journey in movies, but like it's so fucking boring if that's the only thing that the only people you're interested in 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 listening to or following are people that you like or want to hang out with in real life. Like how disgusting. Yeah. But 
I've listened to a lot of interviews with the Softy brothers about him and yeah. like his prep for it. It was so interesting that at one point to get him ready, they like put together a room of like real, like a room where they were like gambling and there was bets going on people in the real world of that and just set Adam loose in it. They didn't film it. It was just prep and he just had to play Howard and his whole goal was just not, and like people knew who he was, yeah. but he was just there to make a bet and like convince everybody. And it's such like this cool process they worked with him. He's one think, of the yeah. best actors we have. And I will say that I'm glad that he only does a good movie like once in a blue moon because then it's so special. Mm-hmm. And he's having fun on his off time making grown ups in Hawaii with his friends and doing all these stupid Netflix movies. And like I don't have to watch them, but like then every once in a while he you know, picks a great role. I guess the Safdie brothers were after him for almost 10 years. Yeah. They, they sent him the script in like 2011 after I think daddy long legs came out and he turned it down. And then finally, you know, he signed on and it's like, this is a masterpiece. Um, I do agree. And it was my favorite movie of the year. Yeah. One of mine, I think definitely my, uh, choice for best actor. But I, 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 just to tackle on, I, I agree with you. And it's like, I, we don't have to watch his other movies, but man, you got to respect that he just does what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. He doesn't listen to any, like the outside saying, like, those are dumb or this is stupid. He's like, yeah, I do. I like it though. Shut up. Right. And like, <laughs> this is obviously a great movie, but this would have been like a grueling shoot. And like, if he wants to fuck around in Bora Bora or whatever for the next two years, <laughs> like, let him. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Let's move on quickly. We got supporting. Yeah. Oh, going sorting? Great. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we got Laura Dern, Marriage Story, Jennifer Lopez, Hustlers, Margot Robbie, Bombshell, Florence Pugh, Little Women, Scarlett Johansson, Jojo Rabbit, followed by Zhao Shenzhen, The Farewell, and Bending the Report. And then I think a bunch of people who are definitely not. I feel really bad because I haven't seen a lot of this, but immediately. Uh, Laura Dern's great. Um, haven't seen Jennifer Lopez, Hustlers yet. I hear she's awesome. Oh, she's wonderful. Margot Robbie, eh, take it or leave it. I say nominator for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I would get, yeah, I think she's much That is one than. of the most memorable performances of the year, I think. I think she's just, it's a sweeter role, too. Like, it's nice to see, like, and we, we've already talked about where I fall in that movie. It's not my favorite of the year, but I have to agree 100% with you. It's just, it's there's more depth, weirdly, to that, her role in that, and it's just, like, the sweetness she plays in that. Yeah, well, it's like... I mean, Sharon Tate is just iconic and like her as Sharon Tate, I think, I mean, maybe just for me is like super iconic instead of fucking Kayla. A made up character. Yeah. Made up person who I guess you needed to like make up this character to feel sorry for the Fox News women, even though the rest of the characters were real. It just, it rubbed me the wrong way. I do think her scenes with Kate McKinnon are, are, are nice and lovely in Bombshell. Um, but for sure. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I mean, if I had a pick right now, like if somebody said who is best, you, we were asking you, I would give it to Florence. Florence. I think she's fucking phenomenal, Little Women. She's someone who I'm like, oh yeah, this is the actress of her generation. She's, 100%. I mean, ever since Lady Macbeth came out a few years ago, I had no idea who this woman was. It was like this little indie movie where she plays like <coughs> a teenage bride psychopath. Ooh. Uh, and she's so fucking good. And then... You know, we got Midsummer. We got Fighting with My Family, which was sort of a silly movie, but she was great in it. And now this thing, um, yeah. I mean, the, she could win because they love giving it to like the new ingenue. I hope she doesn't win because like once you win an an Oscar at such a young age, people turn against you. And I yeah, don't want I can that for see her. that. I don't want that for her either. But I just think her performance is just. She was the one that I could really feel the difference between her age the most mm. in that movie. 
Yeah, and like the last version of the movie, they cast two different actresses as Amy, like Kirsten Dunst when she's a kid and Samantha Mathis when she's an adult. Um, Because you are, you know, following her from age, whatever, like 13 to 23 or Mm -hmm. something. Um, But somehow... Florence Pugh is able to to like embody all of those ages. She's yeah, yeah she's amazing. Uh, Scarlet, I didn't see JoJo. Uh, so. It's she's she's good in it. I don't really love the movie. Um, I like the grandma. She's great. Yeah, from Farewell. Fun. Annette Benning, the report. I mean, I, lo- I love Annette Benning, but like that is a nothing that's not the role. One. Yeah. They're just trying to get her her Oscar, who she, which she should have had for uh, Julia. Whatever that movie was, oh, her well, Jeremy Iron, she should have oh, had it for yeah, that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, she. I, I always love Annette Benning. I've never been like, oh, she should have won for this instead of like the American Beauty year that Hillary Swank won. I was like, oh, Hillary Swank should have won. Yeah, that and makes then sense. the Julie Hillary Swank beat her again for <laughs> yeah. that year for um, <laughs> yeah. what's it called? Yes, uh, they hate each other. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I really do wish the that's the maid, right, or the housekeeper that gets fired from Parasite. Yeah. I would love to actually see her nominated because I think that performance, that's a sort of like a Melville, what's her name, from a Phantom Thread that came in from like a sort of a dark horse role. Oh, yeah. Like where I'm like, that's my pick almost was Melville that year. And that's what I sort of feel where it's like a movie that no one really like actors are really paying attention to. But yeah, I think she, all the actresses in Parasite like deserve a spot. Oh, I think I they're all, yeah, they're all great. Um... Yeah, and uh, that's Moss Fine and Anne Hathaway's in there. Oh God, yeah. For I loved the new Todd Haynes movie, Dark Waters, but Anne Hathaway did sort of stick out like a sore thumb in that. <laughs> I wouldn't put her in that. Um, all right, so last there, category: <laughs> Best Supporting Actor. We have Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Al Pacino, The Irishman, Joe Pesci, The Irishman, Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Song Hang Ho, uh, Parasite, Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes, Willem Dafoe, The Lighthouse, Jamie Fox, Just Mercy, and then I think that sort of is the end of that category. Right. I I, I haven't seen... I'm going to go from the bottom up. I haven't seen Jamie Foxx yet. He's very good. I heard he's very good. And it's one of his less... More collateral for me, because collateral is the year he also won for... uh, Oh, for Ray. And I thought he should have won for collateral over Ray. He's a great actor. Yeah, he is. I just... Ray, for me, was a little too surface. Uh Uh-huh. Versus like collateral. And I heard he's really good. He's really, yeah, he's understated. He's sort of heartbreaking. That movie, I mean, it's funny. Like I watched Just Mercy and Clemency both within a few days of each other. And they're both about the death penalty. And they both are like such different movies. Like Mm -hmm. Just Mercy is such a crowd pleaser. And like it leaves you with a lot of hope. And Clemency just like rubs your face into the hell. Like it's (laughs) horrible. That um, means I'm going to like it. Yeah, Uh, William Defoe, I want him. I think he deserves that nom. I think he is such a fucking phenomenal actor, and he just blows me away. Every yeah, time. this is one of, I mean, this is probably maybe my favorite supporting actor. I mean, if it's even con- should be considered supporting, supporting yeah. actress in The Lighthouse because he's basically a lead. But he's been nominated, like, a couple times in a row now. So, and I don't know if The Lighthouse is, like, an Oscar-y movie, but he's he's so good in it. So, yeah. I just think he's not an actor that plays the game that much. No, so he's, he's, like, just, New York. He does, he like, his downtown does, theater. But yeah. people love him. Um. The one that I absolutely think is a waste of space is the Tom Hanks one. Oh, I mean, he I <laughs> sort of agree with you, but like he's been snubbed so many times. He hasn't been nominated in like 20 years. What was the last one you think he should have been nominated? Oh, for? Captain Phillips. And oh, I don't even he didn't like get that. Nominated no, for he that? didn't get nominated, yeah. That is a travesty yeah, because he was great in that. I don't even like that movie, but he was great in it. Yeah. And like I don't I'm like not a Tom Hanks person really. I'm not either, but and, I do think he's wonderful. And I don't even, I mean, I liked this movie, but like, yeah, no, maybe I agree with you. Um, Song Kang Ho should fucking get a nomination. Yes, he should. He is the father in Parasite. He's so, so good. Um, I actually do think Joe Pesci and Al Pacino 
Yeah, baby, both of them. Both. Yeah. It's, the people have been doing it so long, and to deliver an A game like that is should be honored yeah. with a nod. Brad Pitt's great, too. Uh, I can't deny he is great it's in that his, movie. It's, it's sort of like Laura Dern. It's like, this is... A, they're both really great in these specific movies, but these are both like career 100%. nominations, and I'm fine with it because I love Brad Pitt and he's great in it. So like I, he, he should win an Oscar. There is one role though that's missing from this list. I wonder if it's mm. even on the bottom that I think has gotten no no Shia? love. No, I love. Shia I think Ray movie. Liotta should be in this fucking. Oh list. yeah, I think him and like more so than. I hear Alan Alda has like Everybody's an outside chance. Alan Alda and he's good, but he's Alan Alda. He has Parkinson's. He's like 88. He's like shaking oh, yeah, around yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's doing a good job. <laughs> he's doing, he's great. But Ray Liotta is so, I think, iconic and memorable in Marriage Story that I'm like, why are we not talking yeah, about Yeah, I think Ray it's because his, his character is so unlikable. And like, there's no, like at least Laura Dern has that monologue where you're like, oh, I see where she's coming from. And Ray Liotta is like such a slime ball. I don't know that. <laughs> I love yeah. it. But he's, he's great. He was the only character, this is rude to say about Marriage of Storage, which was in my top 10 of the year, is like he was the only character that it made sense that he got up and moved during a scene because there's so many scenes where people stand oh, up. Oh, yeah. Him, like I was play, like, you got to move. <laughs> yeah, gotta, yeah. Yeah. But his character, I was like, yeah, of course this guy's yeah, yeah. up and moving. It's such true. A crazy. Oh, I love Marriage Story. Yeah, it was great. Um, okay, that's it. We're not going to cool. go through any categories. Love well, it. I thank you for indulging me. Um, no, I, I love this shit. <laughs> this, oh, the Oscar nominations will actually come out the same day as this podcast. So hell yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on. We've bullshitted <laughs> enough to the main event. What we're here for, uh, Mark David Christensen. I sent you a list of 406 gay related camp related movies and you fucking wanted to watch this adventures of captain Marvel serial bullshit from 1941. Yeah. Why? I just, I thought it was fun that there was like a, I think we had talked in person about the fun that I'm very much a Marvel guy. Yeah. This character does not come from Marvel. I'm 100% aware of that. It's Shazam. He's a I DC literally character. don't think anyone that listens to this podcast is like a Marvel DC person. So I think you could, it's a safe space for you. But I just want no attacks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was interesting because I've never really delved into old superhero stuff really i don't think i have other than comic book wise yeah um and it is fascinating to me that we still like right now hollywood and like mainstream cinema seems so bombarded with superhero stuff and people act and the big thing is like this is too much everything is like well it's actually been here the whole time and it's really like surprising when you actually do the research like no they've been making superman things forever or superhero marvel is the new thing like then actually achieving a marvel that's of quality because there's sure. old shitty marvel movies you can find them easily yeah <laughs> uh yeah that was i mean one of honestly one of the only things i found really interesting about this was like you like so the, the history of um comic book movies in in our culture mm-hmm. and like how sort of shunted off to the side they were for so long and now how centered they are yeah um and Thinking about, well, this was apparently the first, uh, I mean, it was a serial, so you would watch it in 15 minute increments in the theater before the real movie. But this was apparently the first, uh, considered the first superhero movie. I love it. This was before any um, filmed version of Superman or Batman or anything. Uh, So I think for kids that were growing up during like World War II, that first sort of generation of superhero fans, this was sort of the, the top of the heap for them. 
Yeah. Uh, which is, it's crazy. <laughs> it is very crazy. And it's very funny how simple it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that honestly, okay. So before we go yeah, any further, like, let me read, because I always forget to do this. doing the review? Uh, yes. yes. Read Paul Rowan's review. So if this is the first episode of High Camp you're listening to, I stole the name of my podcast from a duo of gay film guides from the 90s written by uh, an amateur film critic and professional librarian from Duluth, Minnesota. His name was Paul Rowan. And because the book is in alphabetical order, The Adventures of Captain Marvel is literally the first entry in the book. Uh, here is his read. The Adventures of Captain Marvel, a classic serial from the golden age of chapter plays, is essentially a romance of the polymorphous perverse, a relentless homoeroticism, utterly charming in its juvenile naivete, underlies the plot's central premise. An effeminate wimp, Frank Coughlin Jr., through a simple expedient of saying the word Shazam, is able to transform himself into a studly macho dude, Tom Tyler, draped in the inevitable superhero drag, cape, tights, the usual fairy suit. Captain Marvel, as the virile alter ego is known, is definitely the strong silent type. On the other hand, the Coughlin character, known as Billy Batson, talks entirely too much in a quavering, adenoidal, adolescent whine. He's the teenage mascot and general flunky of an ex expedition deep in the mysterious East, consigned to doing women's work, like dusting ancient pottery. And because he's too gutless to enter the sacred tomb which is being defiled, the grateful gods of the Orient magically endow him with the balls of a Superman. Said endowments are put on rather prominent display thanks to the clinging fabric of Tyler's union suit. Stylistically, this bizarre pageant is distinguished by its wonderfully loopy mise-en-scene, redolent of a bygone innocent America poised on the brink of World War II. After the hustle and bustle of the opening episode, the, she the scene shifts to LA, which comes across as a realm of palmy but indubitably sinister affluence. Everybody seems to reside in a rambling hacienda. As indicated above, callow and ridiculously self-important teenage faggots here hold positions of undreamt of authority. Wow. And furthermore, seem inordinately fond of patting one another on the tummy. Sliding panels proliferate while cars and trucks demonstrate an astonishing ability to stay on the road even when there's no one behind the wheel. Oh my God, this goes on for so long. Uh, let me go to the end. Pornography is said to be inherently reactionary. The same holds true for boy-on-boy -boy adventure shows like this one, yet both can undeniably be of interest to male homosexuals. Are all superheroes fascists at heart? And do most homosexuals have a secret fascist lurking deep inside, screaming to get out? Nietzsche neatly summarizes this an unfortunate tendency in his doctrine of the ruthless will triumphant, the urge to be greater and more powerful than the common herd of mortals, to subordinate the whole human race, and more impo most important, to render men supine. The gay boys who flock to our modern day gymnasia all want the same outer garment of muscles, so readily symbolized by cape tights and a cardboard lightning bolt on a rugged manly chest. Anyone who's taken a good look at the uniform worn by Nazi military officers knows that they all must have been butch drag queens at heart, secretly longing to turn into Captain Marvel. Shazam, indeed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I got to hold this book for the first time, everything I've heard of. Oh, yeah. So this like was the first, I think he spent way too much time on this entry. And then by the end, he was like doing, you know, He's like exhausted. 300 capsule reviews. But that is, wow, he really read into that way more than I did. Yeah, I I feel weird because as I as we as I watched it, you watched all of them. No, I watched Okay, so this thing is broken up into 12 episodes. The first one's a half hour long and then each 
additional one is 15 minutes. I watched the first six and then I watched the last one. Great. And you Uh, watched even less than that. Yeah. I watched the full, the full first one and then the first two and then half the third or maybe the, I'm trying to think I left off when what's the girl's name? Um, Um, Betty, Betty. I left when she got captured by the bad guys in the back truck. It was really fun to see that like, I want to talk about the serialness of it. Yeah. And very much the tropes that are directly lifted into Indiana Jones. Oh, interesting. I okay. found that very interesting. But uh, what I was getting at before we move on to that is, as watching, I was like, well, I'm going on high camp. And this this guy wrote about it. This gay writer wrote about it. What are the things that I might associate from an outsiding point of view of a straight man find gay in this? And I couldn't find them. <laughs> so yeah, when you no, read I, this, I was like, okay, you it's really are. <laughs> crazy because I obviously am like looking for this too, hosting this podcast and watching this. I'm like, well, yeah, his tights are like tight. I could see if you're like a little boy who has no access to uh, like the male physique or like mm-hmm. pornography and you're gay, you could like find something um, arousing in that. Uh-huh. Other than that, I, I don't. I, I don't know. I didn't feel like there was a lot of homoeroticism. I, f- I, I guess I, I get the sort of like small wimpy kid turning into like a manly man as sort of like a fantasy for, but that's a fantasy for like straight guys as well as gay guys. Um, and like the, you know, all the scientists and the villain is like, they're a little like faggy, I guess, but it, it I, I don't know. It, it, it seemed like th- this came out when this guy was a kid and it really like affected him uh-huh. in a psychosexual way. Um, and that's great. But yeah, I don't, I, I didn't find this very homoerotic or really particularly campy. I didn't either. I was trying my best. <laughs> I was like, where is it? <laughs> I chose the wrong thing. No, but it was, I mean the thing, and let, you want to talk about this too. Like the, the serialized nature of, of the story was honestly like the only thing that kept me sort of, Oh, I'll watch another one because each, each 15 minute increment does end like on a total cliffhanger, which is such a trope of, of like, of television now. And this, uh, this obviously happened before television. Um, but like that, that, um, that rhythm is similar to like, even like a, I'm, like I love soap operas, uh, like nighttime soap operas. And that, that rhythm of like, Oh, I need to watch the next one is, um, is the only thing, honestly, that like got me to watch seven of these. Oh, I, that's what kept me going too. Cause I remember even the one that has that silly, the second episode, which is called the guillotine. Yeah. Um, when they like threw him in and then they were like about to drop it on him. Like I was like, well, I gotta find out what happens next. I was like, of course it's not gonna, it's probably not gonna hurt him, but I gotta see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was fun. And you probably didn't get to, there was one where, um, they like trick, uh, Captain Marvel into trying to find the the scorpion is like the bad guy who's this masked. So they yeah they they're basically they have this this scorpion statue that they find in Thailand and they have all these lenses and if you get all the lenses then you can like harness the power of the sun or some bullshit. So anyway turns things to gold. Yeah. <laughs> so he the scorpion tricks Captain Marvel into thinking that the scorpion is hiding in this like cave. And um, so Captain Marvel finds him like lumped over a chair in the middle of the cave and he's talking, and but he's not moving. And then Captain Marvel like lifts his mask and it's just like a lump of like wood with the scorpion uh, mask oh, on. It's not, that, I thought that was like a little bit campy. I thought that's great. Um, and then the racism is extremely campy. Oh, I mean, God, that was like the only thing that I was like, well, these are pretty, I can see how these are still entertaining 
to the point where I was like, great, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, white men playing people of color. Oh, yeah. Not even the right color. Like, yeah. They're supposed to be Thai and they all look Middle Eastern. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Uh, and I mean, I guess a generous person could say this was like a critique of imperialism. Um and colonialism, but I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think that's what they were going for. They're just, that's what they did. Yeah. Um, it was very funny, too, like in the first episode, to, to how clearly with m- that it is California Hills. Oh, yeah, it's so, I was like, oh, this is like in this neighborhood. I'm yeah. like, oh, that's uh, Griffith Park right there. <laughs> I was like, that's too good. The geography of Southern California <laughs> is so specific. And like funny, like after living here, I just am like attuned to it more. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is, they like didn't even drive like 10 miles. <laughs> yeah. That's Griffith Park. There you yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. But like, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think what I, I mean, I was entertained by it just by the like, the the formula of it, I guess, is what you were getting at. Yeah. I think that's what kept me entertained while watching it. So I couldn't hate it, but I was like, it is funny to see just that formula. But, but it, it's so sort of like first gen of yes. like, this is what, I mean, cause I remember watching the, the Batman TV, the, the, the Adam West Batman TV show when I was a kid, because my dad was really into that when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, Oh, this in the sixties, the, the people that wrote that Batman show grew up on this generation. And we're like poking, like even by the mid sixties, this was, there was parodies of, of yeah. this type of thing, but this is like true. And that, that was the one thing that I was like, Oh, this is interesting because it is like the original. And now how, how centered these superhero stories are in our culture. And I wonder like, cause there haven't, there hasn't been like a real sort of critical evaluation of these, uh, like th- these aren't put on, on criterion collection or anything. Right. But I wonder if like something like what happened with the universal monster movies of the thirties mm-hmm. because horror movies became so popular in the seventies and eighties. Like will, will there be a young generation of, of comic book movie fans who, who do go back to this and, and love it? Or is it so sort of old fashioned that it's not, it's never going to get that sort of critical reevaluation. I, th- I'm, I think there, yeah, I think there will be. I don't know who will do it. I was looking at the comments on like the first video. Oh yeah, and somebody even on there like was like, "This is better than the, f- the looks better. This is better than what the new one looks like." And oh yeah, I, I like, read that insane. too. So I do think there are there's an audience out there for it. I just don't know who will do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm surprised Criterion hasn't taken advantage well, of that. Of like, well, we have all this big like Marvel's having such a heyday in DC. Why not take advantage of it and? I wonder. I wonder if they're even like on a philosophical level being like, I don't want to give this genre any more right. <laughs> uh, attention than it's already getting. Like the film or, or the, the people who uh, position themselves as like not anti-comic book, but like, oh, there's a whole other world of movies here. Yeah. They're not They're The film nerds are not going to be the ones to be like, oh, you know what was really great from the early 40s for these comic book serials. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but maybe true. in another generation, once like the Mar- the current Marvel Marvel cycle sort of peters out, and mm-hmm. and people have nostalgia for this time, which they will, because there's always nostalgia for every time. Yeah. Then maybe then that will be when you know the Criterion Collection will put out Adventures <laughs> of Captain Marvel on like. It would Blu-ray. be interesting to see them analyze it. That yeah, way, from that point of view. Um, I love the sets on this. That tomb set was so fun to me. Oh, yeah. They were so goofy. Like, I love it. And I love how simple they are. Like, that one 
giant scorpion statue just st- falls over on its side. Yeah. So he can just come in and lift it easily. To the and they, I mean, I guess they created some sets, but a lot of it seemed sort of on location. Like the oh, third, yeah. the, the one, I think the one where you stopped watching that just takes place in the parking garage. Yeah. Like that was just like a parking garage That's in it. LA. <laughs> um, yeah. The one house that they kept going back to. Uh, there's the the caves, which are definitely like the caves in Griffith Park. Yeah, like, you know that's all they're doing. It's, yeah, um, it's funny, but the thing, I mean, I still can't uh, truly enjoy. I never have been able to like truly be passionate about any sort of comic book or superhero story. But that's okay. I think they're, they're. I think they work for some, and they don't work for others. I don't think it's like I'm not in the these comic book. I'm I'm a comic book fan. I read comic. Yeah. I currently do read comic books. What's your like favorite? Like, what's your favorite comic book of all time? And then, what's your favorite comic book movie of all time? Comic book is Hellboy. Okay. I literally have a podcast yeah. on Hellboy. I just he's absolutely one of my favorites. Um, it's very doesn't follow the same pattern as like your classic DC or uh, Marvel, but it's absolutely great by Mike Mignola. Movie wise, ooh. I mean, I think it's Captain America, America Winter Soldier is still my absolute oh, okay. favorite. That's the second Captain America? Yeah. I, I just think it, even seen that one. I loved it. It, it finally did, it just brought him into the cap I like. The cap I like is a guy that's out of time. That's mm. what makes him interesting to me. He's like, he has all these things and he's a man out of time. And then, and then do, realizing that you find out he's not a symbol for America. He's a symbol for the people versus like, sure. he's not like just a follower. You yeah, know, he's not like, well, I wear this because I think whatever they say is goes. It's more of like, no, I'm, I'm. He's rooted back into really like the beginnings of what it was supposed to be, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. So that's why I like him. He'll go up against like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> and he's called Captain America, but he's not uh, reflexively like jingoistic. Yeah, he's not like as. I mean, I think that's what like comic books are obviously like reflecting whatever sort of political climate they're being write, written in. So mm-hmm. it would like during. A wartime, I'm sure, like Captain America would be more sort of nationalist, and then yeah, and other times not. But I honestly like. Here's a dumb suggestion: If Captain America existed in our world right now, he wouldn't follow Trump. Okay, he would be with the people being like, "No, you're. This is wrong." Bernie bro, <laughs> I don't know if he'd be a Bernie yeah, bro. <laughs> that, like rose emoji, I know. Um, and Chris Evans himself is quite progressive. I think. Yeah, yeah. I Him know. and Mark Ruffalo really vocal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, what else? I mean, Captain Marvel, you wanted to talk briefly about like oh, the history there's, there's of so yeah. many Captain Marvels because, because yes. most people, when they hear Marvel, they think Marvel comics. I don't know all the intricate, um, lines and what legally, what caused this all, but Captain Marvel originally was, as you said, like a Fawcett comics. And Fawcett was a predecessor to DC or like an independent, it was, yeah, it was like, yeah, it was with... like, I think it's a predecessor because okay. there's one too, like. What is this? The one before Marvel is something like Times Comics or something. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm. My history's eluding my brain right now. But it so it eventually it branched off and it became like I was re, I was pulling up also. There's a character named Miracle Man that Alan Moore is known for. It's one of his ones that he got hold of and it became super popular. I own like the trades. It's wonderful. But he's actually a predator. He's also comes from Captain Marvel as well. So Captain Marvel was like an original faucet thing, but then like legally, it, because DC, DC eventually like threw a lawsuit. Yeah, because DC rights. said it was too similar to Superman. Yeah, something something crazy like that, and they're like, okay. So, but then they ended up integrating it anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know. See, I feel bad because I don't know all the in, in, 
yeah all the details and then and then when when did marvel like marvel comics start marvel comics i mean uh, yeah uh, golly i've read a whole book on this but like the it was like mid-century probably like 50s 60s 50s 60s and And, there was and that was just a coincidence that they started this comic book company that was the same name as a character from a rival yeah i think so i think it was just the name i love the name marvel um but they have their own Captain Marvel. Of They're course. different. But he's not the same. So Shazam, which is now we know mostly Shazam is Cap- their Captain yeah. Marvel. Oh, yeah. Do we even say So that's the, the modern version yeah. of this is Shazam, yeah. if anyone's wondering. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. He, that's the name. But that was just the word he uses um, to become, become yeah. Captain Marvel. Yeah. So then there's that. There's, there, there's Captain Marvel of DC, which we know is Shazam. Then there's another Captain Marvel. You say it, Marvel. It has like a dash in and the middle. And that's the Brie Larson one? Yeah, that okay. was the original. It was a man in the comics. And then the woman who became Miss Marvel, and eventually, finally, they were like, why can't we just call her Captain? Oh. <laughs> she could just take on so that So she monitor. was Miss Marvel. So, and, and, and they named her Captain Marvel, knowing very well that there was another character from another company mm-hmm. that was also yeah. called Captain Marvel. But because they were the Marvel company, they had the right to use that. Yeah, I don't name. know all the legal... Thing. It's like titles. Like I think there's mm. like a thing legally you can't copyright titles is what oh. I've heard. I don't know about that. I don't know all the in, huh. in, in workings. But then Miracle Man is actually the UK version of Captain Marvel. Okay. He's a whole other thing. He's But he's almost identical to Captain Marvel. He's a guy that's like a reporter. He says atomic backwards, which is like with a K, like... A comita, comita, okay. and he becomes Miracle Man. Got it. And that's like, and almost that's almost identical to Shazam's world because in Shazam's world, there's like other Captain Marvels that are like woman, other people. Mm-hmm. If you see the new movie, that oh yeah, at the end, I did they, see that movie. There's like Kid Marvel. There's uh, I didn't come, like I didn't come Good prepared. One of them. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. And I that this is about as much as I want to hear. Yeah. Because after yeah, I get, now, I'm putting you to sleep. I, get, I literally <laughs> I have about a five minute window of being interested in this stuff, and then it's just there's a switch in my brain that turns off. So this is perfect that we stopped. Right. It. It's like I can't deal with it anymore. But thank you. But I do find the early days of comic books very fascinating. Yeah. No. Uh, that I mean, just sort of the behind the scenes machinations of these different. Uh, these different companies, that is really interesting. Someone should write a show about it. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't. Um, quickly, I cannot help but mention the um, the Mandela Effect 90s kid fake uh, Sinbad movie that was called Shazam that never existed. Yes. What is your relationship? Do, is this a real thing that people think they remember or is this just sort of a, a nostalgia internet meme pretend I think, thing i think i think it's just nostalgia like one person said it and then everyone yeah. just jumped on board and it became it's a way to like deal with boredom i sort of thought or, that too but then in my head and this is obviously what the point of the whole mandela effect is i'm like oh i remember seeing sinbad in like a still photo as a genie but i guess i never did there isn't a movie at all that he's no, a genie. Absolutely I guess not. I'm thinking because there is one where Shaq is. Right? Yeah, that's one. That I think we're just, just our brains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, isn't there a little bit of racism? Oh, absolutely, in there? <laughs> more than a little. <laughs> more than a little. Um, okay, so we can move on from there. Uh, one more question or comment, Please. maybe more. Marvel Universe. They're basically just long serials. They're three hour long episodes of a serialized story. Yeah, I think uh, they know that fully aware. Like yeah. people try to use that as like a criticism. No, of it's their not. Movies. It's sort of a new it's thing that like, hasn't been done before. And, and I think yeah. yeah, they were like, "How else do we crack a 
a how do we make a Marvel a cinematic universe? Mm. I think they just cracked the code for themselves. Like, well, each movie can stand on its own, but then it has to have those interconnected. And things. you have to go back and watch the new one in a few months when it comes out. And then now with Disney Plus, it's going to all be yeah. They really are geniuses that they do that. Yeah, and then now they're trying to integrate their TV shows into that. Yeah, I, I do wish that the current ones would have like synopses every fifteen minutes to remind <laughs> you of what happened because that honestly was like oh. Just like, take me with you because it, it's like it helps so much. I wish every movie just every fifteen minutes it would stop and there'd be like names of the actors and pictures of them and it would just like say what has happened. I'm telling you, take me with you. If Beth, we watch these movies, we're watching Watchmen. She'll ask me. I get very. She makes fun of me because I get really excited just to tell. Her. Oh she yeah, yeah. You have a question? I'm like, well, it's this, or I think it's this. Blah blah blah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah. Uh, have you watched I watched the first episode of Watchmen I've watched all of it and I love it it's great I like I it and I know nothing about Watchmen um, and I still am enjoying it so yeah Regina King and Jean Smarter amazing oh god yeah alright uh, before we go I asked every guest on High Camp if we were to write a third volume of the High Camp gay film guide what is a movie that you would nominate to add to the list I'm gonna go off the first thing that popped in my head Do when it. I knew I was coming on is Strictly Ballroom oh, by yeah. um Baz Luhrmann. I absolutely, I just think it just being not versed in camp or gay cinema, uh, that just, I think that's about as gay as you can go. Yeah. Like to (laughs) me, it's like, yeah, that's just, I'm, I stopped there. No, I don't know. Like being finally like in the last year or two getting like starting to like watch drag race with Beth and things like that and seeing sort of getting finally like an idea of what camp is and that level of like dr- like melodrama, I guess, in mm-hmm. colors, and I just think that Strictly Ballroom exists in that realm. Yeah, I I remember seeing it. Uh, I guess soon after it came out, when I was young, you know, probably twelve or thirteen. And I remember then a few years later when Romeo and Juliet came out. That was the movie I like super fell in love with Baz Luhrmann because that is like I mean the ultimate melodrama is Rome- Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, um, and I'd be curious to. Because I don't remember, I don't remember strictly ballroom as being particularly like uh, colorful or kinetic or what would later sort of go on to define his style. But maybe I just wasn't looking for that. Totally, and I I, I do think it's a predecessor yeah. of his. Like you can see him cooking on that for sure. Like it, I'm not a huge once he gets past like Romeo and Juliet, the eccentricities of him don't do it. Yeah, for I'm me. hit and miss. I actually am one of the few people that really liked his Great Gatsby adaptation, which ah. I don't know that I can defend, but I I did really enjoy it. Uh, and I am also weirdly cold on Moulin Rouge, which is most people love Moulin Rouge. Um, yeah, I don't. I could take or leave it. Yeah, I don't yeah. need to rewatch it. Ever. He's working on something that sounds interesting now, but I totally forget what it is. And I never saw his Australian. No, movie. I don't think anyone did. <laughs> um, but that's a great uh, nomination. I'll have to rewatch that. Uh, yeah, yeah let me know if it gets in. Sure. Yeah, no, uh, they all get in. That's the secret of this podcast. They all get in, and this book is never being written. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for asking. Uh, I had so much fun talking about superhero movies, which is not it's something rare. I ever thought I would say. Um, would you have anything you want to plug? Anything you're working on? Any podcasts, perhaps? Oh, my podcast, Ah Crap, a Hellboy podcast. It's four seasons, starts in February. If you're interested in comic books or just fun conversations about comic books and also like animated versions, movie versions of that, of that property. Tune in me and my co-host Kate Thompson do it once a week. All about Hellboy. Even yeah. more specialized than this stupid Before, podcast. For sure. Other than that, check out if you're in LA UCB cage match. I'm a co-host of that every Wednesday, 11 PM at UCB Franklin. 
And then uh, if you know, check out my IMDb. Maybe one day I'll yeah, be on a favorite show of yours. Totally. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening. You can follow this podcast on Instagram at Twitter and at High Camp Pod, and follow me at Rucker Bry also on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, see you guys next week. Peace.